I want to welcome our guest, Matt Warzel. Hello. <laughs> I love saying that, man. I love that. Warzel. Yeah. It sounds really, it sounds really manly, really, really tough, really strong, right? I love that. <laughs> That's my Slovakian roots, exactly. Oh, is that what it is? Is that is that where you're from? Uh, well, I, I, and it's funny, I just found this out within the last 10 years anyway, too, because we we had some catching up to do on our lineage. But um, yeah, there's Slovakia. We thought we were hungry, I guess, or Polish my whole life. And then we kind of figured it out once all the technology started coming in with the online stuff. So um, turned out I was Slovakian. And then uh, my mom's uh, Sicilian. So um, interesting combination. Yeah. It's it's real cut and dry. I'm not like my wife with 15 <laughs> different countries going on. <laughs> so would you say same thing with my wife? Like she has like 10 different, you know, countries that you know she's from a little bit here, a little bit here, yeah. and uh, me now just like really one spot. That's really it for the most part. It's, it's really easy for when you're collecting like cultural things. You're like, oh, I yeah. just grab like a shirt here, shirt there. I don't have to worry <laughs> about you know spending too much out there. <laughs> So, so for this for this show, we're gonna do something a little different. Usually, we start out with somebody who kind of will share, you know, what they do and all that. But with Matt, we've talked about before we started that hey, it'd be pretty neat for a guy who started a career coaching business. What about 10, 15, How how many years ago? So it was two thousand nine when I officially took off the recruiter hat. So what is that? That's like a hundred years ago, right? It, right. Like, I mean, <laughs> it feels like it. It's like right. Does does it do right? You hear two thousand and nine. You feel like the how? Oh my god, that's so far away. So so you started right in the financial crisis, and what we want to talk about today a little bit to start with is a little behind the scenes, you know, because you always hear afterwards after a company has started and the results, but oftentimes you don't know what happened. To make it happen so can you share a little bit what made you start and to become a career coach um how did it work how did you get your first clients how did you make money so this is yeah. kind of an inside scoop for what yeah. really goes on and it's funny i was a bit of the wild west starting a company but all right so my my idea is right now we're fading in and it's like a history <laughs> channel documentary and we show me back then <laughs> played by someone awesome and you got you know Liv Shriver's narration coming through um no I I thank you for this it's it's fun to kind of talk about yourself right so I usually am just regurgitating advice on a lot of podcasts so this is nice to um explore the you know going under the hood so to speak so I yeah I I started off um literally right out of school in sales I went to John Carroll University in Cleveland Ohio home of only Don Shula and Tim Russert and no one else um and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And so I got a paper sales, got laid off because that was kind of like when the office started and everyone kind of saw paper was dying. And so um, I, and I was distraught because like that was like my first job out of school. I was actually having an income and we and, and all those things. So um, I had a friend's like, yeah, you should get in recruiting. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And she's like, yeah, Aerotech is hiring. And this was in Cleveland. And the guy who started Aerotech, Steve Bashotti, he owns the Ravens. And uh, he made a billion dollars with his couple of his buddies in a basement. And so I kind of like went on this interview, not even knowing, you know, I even look up research. I do everything like you're supposed to do. I didn't do any of it because you're out of school and you don't know any better. And so I just went in there cold and he's like, you know, did you research? I'm like, yeah, I looked at you. And he's like, would you, would you figure out? I was like, well, you, you guys are, you know, you're in tech or whatever. Because <laughs> it was Aerotech. And they're like, 
no, we're staffing. Did you look up T-E-C-H or T-E-K? And I was like, um, T-E-C-H? <laughs> like that worked because <laughs> it was spelled T-E-K. So I somehow BS my way into that job, but my, I ended up doing well there and having fun. And, and Iron Manager still, I'm friends with him. He's out of Charlotte. He just retired and he still goes, you give my, your interview still gives me nightmares. Um, Cause I, you know, I was the jokey guy, but, um, but I took it real, I mean, I loved the recruiting. It was just, it's, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster though. And it's not a nine to five and it's not a part-time mental real estate. It's, it kind of takes over. Right. So um I had just, you know, you get your lumps and you do well. And, you know, it's always kind of a intense game and staffing because mm -hmm. it's not HR. Your, your customers are, they're moving. Um, so then I said, well, there's a lot of companies hiring recruiters, contract work in Cleveland that were paying like three times the amount I was making because um, they were contract gigs. You lose bennies, but you get all this, you know, you get a bunch of money. And so I thought, well, heck. So I just went through that and started getting contracts and round up. Um, you know, working out like Goodrich and uh, PNC um, and, and um, you know, just some nice companies. And then I thought, well, uh, I want to be a movie star and I want to write. That was my second life in the background, because when I was out of school, I was trying to do comedy and, and actually get an oh, wait, wait, wait. Can I take a pause here? For, let me just kind of yeah. dial back for a sec. Pat. So you fell into recruiting, like you know, recruiting, yeah. right? <laughs> which can I tell you as a recruiter for like 25 years, I would say probably 99% of people who are recruiting just fell into it. They, oh, yeah. they didn't plan on it. They just kind of fell into it. So, so you started recruiting, but mm -hmm. you did what? More staffing? How did that work? It was like. Yeah, at first, Aerotech's built sort of staffing. So we, and it's not, uh, it's not the widget inspectors, although I did some of those for, because we are automotive. So I had a lot of tiered suppliers who would call us. We need people at midnight to 3 a.m. And we're, you know, driving to Youngstown at 11 p.m. at night. Um, but so these uh, were what, what more blue collar jobs that you were, but, were well so this country? is the thing our office they had blue collar and then they had all the way up to engineers and stuff I mm -hmm. was lucky enough that our automotive division I was all production engineers production supervisors ops managers all manufacturing manufacturing engineers IEs EEs MEs you know so I dealt with just engineers and production manufacturing dipped into the you know we had green and environmental i would recruit some recs for we had some aerospace i'd recruit for um you know you get pulled in right so you're constantly just recruiting everyone because you look at the office and you're like who has what and so you're running, trying to get your spread up right so the way we played the aerotech game was hire someone get them in as low as possible and then go to the client gm and say here's the person for six months now pay us this much more and then we make that money right so, so, so. so this was not like a permanent placement this would be you would get somebody for yep. like an hourly and then you oh. would make spread between what the candidate the candidate gets and then you know how much you're going to kind of bill out right so if they don't show up to work you're not getting paid right. exactly and some go temp to perm they weren't all just three six nine twelve mm -hmm. month contracts 18 mm -hmm. months sometimes some were temp to perm and then if it goes um, to perm, you kind of get a change and then you could get like a placement fee for like, where they, yes. they count the amount of money that you already pocketed and maybe take that off. And then the rest would be from a, a fee, a placement yeah, fee, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. Aerotech was a well-oiled machine. I mean, I, I know you've heard of them probably just being in recruiting, but um, they did. A, and, and it was the first time I learned business acumen because I came out of school, you know, a putz. 
um, who's just party animal trying to make everyone laugh. And you, you know, you were built, I, I went to a really, really good high school and college though. They were Jesuit based. So, you know, all guys uh, for my for my high school. And so not that that does anything, but it's just more of those kind of very stiff, rigid environments. You might as well be like a Yale junior, right? So I grew up with rich kids and stuff. And my dad's a, you know, my old man was a 30 years working at GM as a tool and die supervisor. So we kind of, we were on the fringes of, of all the people that were there, but I mean, we had, you know, guy who made Murphy oil. soap, uh, went to that high school and all stuff. So we had, we have really high esteem people. So I had some good, you know, wherewithal, I was smart enough, but I just didn't really understand business. Right. So when they get mm -hmm. there, they train you, like you are very much a business person. You were running your business, right. Your little operations of finding people. So it just drilled into me like I got to take this stuff serious if I want to like be ahead in things I can't just kind of kick the tires of, of life right so um but it was nice going into HR recruiting because now my clients are my managers around the plant mm -hmm. right so I went and visited those guys and those girls and say hey what do you need right and then it wasn't as stressful because it's like yeah they need it now but even if you presented them with someone, it'd be like a week for the interview because they're hire managers and they're busy, right? Versus the GM and the Fords and the Aerotech business where these big companies were like, you know, it's you versus 15 other agencies out there looking for people. So you better get them in there quick, right? And get them hired. Um, just, it was less cutthroat in HR. Um, but, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And then before I cut you off, before- no, you're fine. You, 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 said, you said then you wanted a segue. So there's a time I guess you segued out of recruiting and staffing. Yes. To try comedy and try screenwriting. Is that? It was no segue out. It was two lives being led. So oh, okay, you do uh, the same same time. Same time. So everyone okay. at Aerotech knew I was writing screenplays at, at work during lunch, or like okay. getting ideas and writing them in, and they'd help. They'd even feed me ideas because I used to be the you know I used to like write everything, record everything, transcribe it. Like I mean, I was doing stand up and improv and acting and trying to crack that nut, and. You know, realize Cleveland's not it. So, wait, wait, just like, so what happened? Were you the guy who would just be the class clown and you goof mm -hmm. around, and then people tell you, "Hey, man, you're really funny. You should go to like an open night, yeah. mic night." Is that what happened? And then you're like, "Oh, let's do it." Kind of, sorta. I was, yeah. I was voted best or most likely against Saturday Night Live in our grade school. So I was uh -huh. all like, even back then, I was like, I really like. I used to do. I used to write a comic book. I'd uh, write it, and my buddy would illustrate it. My dad had, my dad would copy, make copies for me at GM. And then I'd hand them out, you know, like it was like a once a month series, my eighth grade. Uh, and so there was like, you know, like 12 comic books we wrote or something. And like, so I was always like trying to like be creative. Um, it's just, well, and and so what happened essentially was, yeah, in Cleveland, I said, babe, I'm getting my wife, Jamie, who I met in college. I go, I, I'm getting, you know, getting a bug to try to really do this. We go to LA because everyone was there and they just wait for you to get off the plane and offer you all this money and, and lavishness. They're like, here, we've been waiting for this guy. All right. Um, so she's like, yeah, let's go. I don't care. She's cause she was doing technical writing. And so luckily she got out of it because she worked at national city bank, which was turned into PNC. They're the ones that helped facilitate the meltdown in 08. She didn't even know back then, but she was like working in an office that was like one of the main bad ones. Um, and so we both, I was on my end of my contract, a dealer tire, finding some engineers over there. And then I said, all right, let's go to LA. And so we started looking for work. And I luckily, it took me uh, six, seven, eight months or something like that, but got two interviews, one with BP Long Beach 
and one with Johnson Controls and Whittier. And BP Long Beach flew me out there for an interview on when I was in LA, and this is like 2006. Um, and, and, and in LA, she's like, or the guy uh, at Johnson's like, can you meet? And I was like, no, nah, I'm looking for an apartment. Like, I really blew him off. I almost feel bad. Like, what was, I just don't know what the hell I was thinking back then. But like, and then he ends up calling back. He's like, dad, that's fine. Let's just hire you. I like, I like, what the way you sound on the phone? <laughs> I was like, sweet. So I told BP, I was like, Johnson Controls just hired me. What can you do? Because here's what they're offering. And they're giving me a reload um, because I told them about BP. They're offering me something. So I kind of worked the negotiation just, I mean, on a whim, man. It's just perfect timing and managed to get an extra, you know, 510 plus reload. And so my wife and I and my parents drove two cars across country on uh, Route 66 from um, Cleveland, Ohio mm -hmm. to uh, um, uh, uh, Burbank, California and started our new life and did Josh Controls during the day and did comedy at night and acting at night. And then when I'd had auditions, luckily at my work, I drove around LA because I was doing recruiting, but also facilitating a new hires program, trying to get kids mm -hmm. in the area from colleges into Johns Controls. So I'd go out and give speeches and tell them all about our program. Well, I'd parlay days for auditions, right? So I'd go audition and then go to this college and then go back to the office. And so I'd drive around LA for three years, man. And it just... Oh, it was rough. It was rough. And then the fallout came. Um, we had no life. It was just work, 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 work. I blew up to 350 pounds. Um, you know, I we stopped going to church. I had no friends out there. All we had was just colleagues. And it was just like the writing was on the wall. And so I kind of had a quasi breakdown. It was very weird. I had this like influx of anxiety and, and I didn't really know how to handle it. So it it broke me down. I was about to about four years to get through it, but um, it kicked me in the it kicked me in the rear end though to freaking start working out. I got on Weight Watchers and started my business and like just kind of went from like what am I going to do in my world? I just remember being on the car or on the bed in Bur Burbank, like looking up, going, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life, and it was scary, right? And so, um, and at that point, all I did with acting was I got on iCarly. I got on iCarly on Nickelodeon, which was cool. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I'm done. So we relocated east. I had a best friend in Wilmington, North Carolina. My parents were an hour away near Myrtle. And he's like, come here. And I was like, whatever. I just got to get out of LA. We're losing money and I'm losing my mind. And so I'm like, and it's rough out there. I mean, it's 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 a big, 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 big city. Uh, for anyone who's lived out there, understands what I'm talking about. And it's like, um, you just, we flat, I won't go into too much more. So when we, we, we get out east and at that point, well, now I should say this. Before I left, I did start MJW my company in 09. So I started recruiting though. I was recruiting only. I wasn't mm -hmm. really writing resumes. I was just like, oh, I'll just go be a freelance recruiter while I'm looking for recruiting work and just kept that going. And I got a, a couple clients on a whim for resume writing. And I can't remember how, I think it was just talking or whatever, but I was like, oh, this could be a thing. I've been doing resumes in the background automatically for clients all my life, right? I didn't really think it was a business. And so then I started just doing the bare bones minimum when you're starting a business. How do you start a business? And we had internet, so luckily. But back then it was like, get on every Yellow Pages, get on MySpace. Uh, I don't even know if LinkedIn, I might've been on LinkedIn, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but it was like, you know, you really just were finding your own ways of marketing and doing everything that was available and it wasn't as massive as it is today right so there was a little bit more control um and then 
when it came to like putting the bones together and stuff, it was literally a trial by fire, go as you go. First year of business, I mean, I made like a thousand bucks. And then the second year, it was like, whatever, you know, it kind of was incrementally getting better. Um, and as that happened, I took it more serious, right? It wasn't such a, hey, I'll do your resume. You ain't gonna expend mm -hmm. that much. I mean, I used to charge, I think it was like my first resumes were 65 bucks or something. And, you know, and, and now they're 800 bucks, but it's because, you know, I've been doing it for 20 years. I, my science is a lot better mm -hmm. than it was, but you know, you're just, you're, you're just doing the best you can as a solopreneur trying to provide value for people and quality work for the pricing point you're offering. Right. And so I found it just that I'm doing good work for people, but um, is this what I want to do still? I want to still write and act. And, and, and so um, these two lives in Wilmington, North Carolina just lived together and they still do. Um, it's just the acting thing. It's only acting. I don't write anymore. I don't stand up or any of that stuff. Um, I made a feature film. We grill a style. It got distribution. I got lucky. I mean, I, it was a, a lot of hard work, hours and hours and thousands and thousands of dollars, but I did get it done. You can rent it. Um, and after that, um, I did some theater work and meanwhile, just auditioned. So but I just canceled all of it, but auditioning. I told my agent, I'm like, I'm just, just get me auditions from now on. And that's all I'm going to really do. So that's fizzled a little, um, it's fun. Um, but I stuck with it the last, you know, like really, really hard up until we got the house 2015. When I got the house, I thought this is it. Now I have a big responsibility. So that's kind of when I started becoming a more of a, a, a business versus a solopreneur kind of thing. Right. Um, it took it more serious, but yeah, for those first six years, recruited for a couple of years mm -hmm. while coaching and writing, and then it kind of just fizzled out recruiting because you know it's full time job. So then went into just coaching and resume writing since probably 2012. Um, and then yeah, just the thing with trying to identify what I did and what action steps to like build a business, it's complicated because mm -hmm. as you know, when you're building a business, you may look at legal stuff one day. And your research drains, you know, puts you in this hole. And then all of a sudden you're implementing a few things from that research. And then there's the accounting research day or the marketing and sales. So there's always things coming in that you're either implementing, trying, or just not doing, right? So for me, it was very much a get by as lean as I can without spending money. And to this day, I tell my wife, that's one of my biggest regrets in life is not putting more money into my business back then and taking it more serious um and trying to kind of be the star still right it was such a waste of time and my friends are like yeah but you're in outer banks and you're in bad mom's christmas and you know i've been in like 15 movies but it's like yeah it's fun i get a little bit of money residuals from the mailbox money but um i mean it's you know nickel here five bucks there uh it's not feeding me but it's like yeah and it's cool i got to work with some cool people i met, met bet bet miller i worked with her and billy crystal and russell crowe and Ryan Gosling, the guy who was just in Barbie. I worked with that guy. In fact, that was the coolest thing I ever did was working with him, um, just purely based off the situation. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, I just wish, I wish someone would just said, you know, don't try to do acting. It's it's like a damn near impossible nut to crack. You ain't never going to do it. Just focus on making money. Go into real estate. Go make money. So when you're 42, you don't have to work so hard. <laughs> so what, when did you make that crossover to say, all right, I'm just going to really hunker down. Now I'm going to focus on 
being a career coach, resume writer, mm. and that's it. I'm all in on that. That was 20, 2012, but then 2015 was, 2012 was just that for the coaching side of my business, mm -hmm. right? Like I dropped recruiting and then 2015 is where I kind of faded off from the acting and that entertainment business. So I would say since 15, so a good eight years now, all in, um, you know, I started scaling in terms of like my automation stuff and like not scaling in terms of building my, my, uh, uh, uh uh, uh, support system, although I do have a good, decent support system, but it's like, I mean, like in terms of like trying to automate and kind of scale in terms of like, get the business kind of doing its own thing, right? A lot. Um, and then I've got my, you know, my marketing and sales strategies and and just my my really nice day-to-day -day processes. One thing I will say I wish I would have done was document half the stuff as I'm going through, because now I'm on the back end trying to document some of this. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here again? Because, <laughs> you know, you might not visit a certain process for a couple of weeks or, at, you know, at a time and you just got to kind of think through it. And you're like, man, how do I train someone else to do this? So kind of that, and that's my goal is eventually get like an operator to help. Right. So I don't have to do as much emails and, and just focus on the deliverables and sales calls. Right. You know, kind of the, the storefront stuff. Uh, but I'll get there. I just don't like me again. It's, it's hard to trust people. Once you start going here, you take over communications for my business, my storefront. It's like, man, cause I know how to say stuff, right. I know exactly what I'm doing. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that handoff in the next couple of years. So how did you start building? How did you start getting clients? Word of mouth was helpful. Um, putting yourself out there. I did everything and anything that you could see as a gimmick. So, um, I mean, I did Valpac, which I actually did recently again, just something fun. Um, but, um, uh, it doesn't work. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 500 bucks or something, but it was like, all right, I'll try some stuff. So pretty much trial and error. I would say the biggest things that helped, you know, what really the biggest things that helped first was contract work. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing with professional resume writing. And I had to learn. Um, it's a lot different than writing as a recruiter. And so um, I got lucky. I worked for Live Career. And my mentor, Joel Machanik, uh, or, or what's her last? Jeez, that's, a, that's the person who got me in Aerotech. Joel, they both have Joels. The two people that are probably the most important for my recruiting. One who got me in and the other one who kind of uh, got me to think about writing. Because... When I was writing resumes, I was using these ambiguous words, or I was trying to sound how smart can I make this sentence sound? And then she's like, she completely changed my mindset and taught me how to frame my sentence structures that I still do today. Uh, it's a very much a less is more cause and effect. You know, you've heard of par, car, all name it, whatever. Uh, but the goal is to get at least amount of words as possible and have a fine line of business focused terminology, business focused verbiage. Don't complicate it and don't cater to just the technical side of people because you're going to lose all the recruiters who are usually marketing majors, management majors. You know, we didn't go to school for the half the crap we're recruiting for. Um, so, and then the robots, right? So you have all these audience people in the hierarchy of, of, of vetting and everyone's just so damn worried about the hiring team that they lose all the interest and all the fundamental stories they could have told in a fundamental way to present themselves as someone who's ideal they, they blow that out the water because they got to be smart, cute, funny, quirky, funny, fancy, uh, you know, just whatever they can do to stand out. It's like, no, get the point across about why you're worth wasting time on for a half hour because you're probably going to waste their time if you're not the person. 
just get that across the least amount of words possible and you're good. Us recruiters are busybodies, you know? I don't need pictures and fancy stuff. I need to see where the hell you worked and if you're going to be a craphead when you start. Are you going to be someone who's going to beard in six months? Okay, good. So far, yeah, you won't be. Okay, are you going to fit this job? Or are you going to show up day one with wool over, everyone's wool over their eyes? Okay, no, this person has had experience with telemechanic controls. Cool. Ford needs someone with telemechanic. Okay, wow, we can marry these two together. And it's not science, right? But it's the fact that, you know, we have to be as recruiters, investigators with like a keen eye of like, how are you going to screw so, me? So wait, just so were you still like a recruiter slash resume writer slash career coach no. at that time? I, oh, th then, yeah, th then I was recruiting still. Yeah, recruiting all the way till 12. 2012, I said, yeah. my last contract was ABB, trying to find energy engineers in the middle of Houston, Texas. And these guys and girls had to know specific something or another, whatever the... And it was so funny because like it was like this nationwide. I mean, I'm sure you even had it at one point. It was like this nationwide search of like everyone's involved because no one can find these people. And like I found a couple people that were willing to relocate and nothing, it all fizzled. And I thought, man, am I working so hard for like nothing? Right. And with recruiting, I think you need more of a support structure to let to make that thing tick better mm -hmm. uh, versus coaching resume writing. I can kind of handle a lot more. But with recruiting, I mean, if you're, what are you going to do? Go do sales all day and try to generate the requisitions. And then we well, got to go find the people then, you know, so. Pretty it's hard to do. It's hard to do as a solopreneur. Yeah. So like I always had a team around me because as you pointed out, there's so many different facets of it. You know, you have to reach out, get new clients. You have to handhold your existing clients. You have to recruit, find people. You know, you have to kind of get them through the whole interview process. So it's it's a lot to do. So if you're just like one guy, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, um, and negotiations. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Kind of going through that. In yeah. and, then, and then, so what happens? Like, did, did, was there a point where then you pivoted and say, hey, I'm just going to focus on career coaching and, and specialize in that area? Yeah, so I essentially for uh, coaching and resume writing, since 15, but it was more resume writing because mm. I got lucky to do all the contracts that, and that's a good way to get it. If someone's out there trying to work contract gigs, because you're going to get volume, you won't get paid much, but you're going to learn. Yeah, what and do you mean by contract? Yet? Like what, what is that? So you go to like, you know, resumes.com. I mean, not that that's even a website. I'm sure it is, but I don't know what they do, but resumes.com say they're hiring a, a resume writer and they'll pay you like, let's call it 50 bucks a resume. Take those. And do those a lot. And that's how the one year I made, my biggest year, I made it like three, it was like 340 or something. And I was like, holy shit, babe, excuse me. Um, again, the tax man cometh because I wasn't. Wait, wait, when you say 340, 340,000. Yeah. And one... that's just, wait, and that's just from writing resumes or that's from everything you've been like juggling? That was just resumes and coaching, just the MJW stuff. Now, mm -hmm. having said that. But how many resumes did you crank out? That has oh to my, be, that's a lot dude, of resumes. I, I did. For like 90 bucks or 50 bucks a shot. It's <laughs> 50. I mean, some places were offered 150. You know, they varied, but 50 was kind of the standard uh, back then. But um, so, dude, wait a minute. Wait, a minute. my math is not so good, but that has to be a lot of resumes freaking resumes i wrote one time we went to cleveland for opening day the indians and i they canceled because of the cold mm -hmm. and i go well tomorrow's even colder they hold it the next day and it was even colder but they still hold it all my buddies are leaving and i'm like this 
you know, and I'm, I'm at the guy's uncle's house, the uncle who's like this drunk hanging out near us. I'm like, I got to hang with this guy all day by myself. I write resumes. And so I'll just sit in there in this guy's house in Lakewood, Ohio, watching the Indians on TV where I just wrote all day long. And then I wrote the entire way home from Cleveland to Wilmington, which is 12 hours all day. We were on our way to, we were on our way there to, and we stopped over in, um, uh, the, um, oh gosh, there's a pike peak over there somewhere in North Carolina where the Andy Griffith show was filmed and we stopped to go hiking. What do you think I did when they went and hiked? I sat in the car and just wrote, I sacrificed so much like stuff because I would just be like this, just writing, 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 writing. And I'm good at writing. I'm quick. I understand how to conceptualize it quick. Right. So it's not hard for me to pump them out. It's just, it's, it's the work it's tedious. Right. And you got to do it right. So, um, yeah, that was the year where I was a madman and it was, but it was such a, wow, like a great year to kind of, you know, make me feel like I'm on the right track, but it has, I've not hit that since but that's the goal. Yeah. Was that, cause that was still, was that still during the financial crisis? I'm losing track of the time there and that people were out of work. So they uh, needed resumes. Is that 17 roughly. So when the financial crisis happened, mm-hmm. just call it like this. I was in LA 06, seven ish to uh, 09 because of the financial collapse. Right. It forced me out of there. Right. And then 09 till 12, I was just kicking tires doing acting stuff, half a in resume business, you know, Hey, if you need a resume, hit me up. If not, I'm not going to be worried about it. Right. Still made efforts to grow it, but very minimal. Cause I was also making efforts to make that feature film and to, to keep my agent happy and go do theater work and stand up and improv. So I was constantly just, it was a time game. So I'm very what, good. Yeah, what, what do you, what are you doing now? Is it, so are you still doing resumes and career coaching and recruiting or how, how's it, how's yeah. it going now? Yeah, recruiting ended in 12, recruiting ended in 12, okay. so I had, yeah, 12 to 15, again, I continue kicking the tires a little bit, still trying to do acting, and then 15's where I said, all right, that's it, I'm just going full-time on on the coaching stuff, acting, like I said, it's-, it's So how did it go with the coaching? So how's that going? The coaching, I love it, so I, I was more writing than coaching for a while, right, because my coaching was a little priced, I think, at the t- time I priced it, and I had to dumb it down, I was like, Maybe people aren't ready for this. And nor was I ready to, to deliver it, right? I didn't have a system in place that was well robust right. enough. And then eventually, we'll call it a few years, I went through that journey of building that. And that's what became my second book, which is what I use for my coaching program now for my clients. Um, and it's a very much a, it's a six-week program. And it's Monday through Friday. Right. And every day you have stuff to do. And it's me guiding you every day of to-dos. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big believer of, achieving your kind of projects success stuff is in chunks and just micro leveling stuff constantly so that's where I get my clients on that same kind of mental train for just the time we're job hunting if they want to adapt it adopt it in their real life great but just for job hunting do me a favor stick mm-hmm. to it under do this stuff whenever you got to find the time right it might have to be Saturdays if you had a long week at work God forbid you gotta spend some time job hunting if you want to get a new job. Um, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, come on, people, if you want to get a new job, you got to put a little time in. Um, but that's where I try to get my clients as like a kind of quasi motivator, quasi inspiration stuff sometimes, like, or just kind of get them to keep sticking to it. Cause most of the time that's the battle. It's not that they're incapable, it's just mm-hmm. the time, right? 
but yeah, that's, it's a fun. And I like my program too, because it's like, again, they don't think that's what I want my clients to just react. I've had too many marketing people sell me the whole house and they go, Oh, well, you're only getting a guest house. It's like, well, the thing said, well, the whole house on it. And so I've had that too many times, or they'll say, gee, here for 10 grand, we won't build the house, but I'll tell you what, I can tell you that what you could do is you put up four walls, you put a roof on it and some bricks underneath and it'll be, it'll be pretty good. And then they walk away and you're like, thanks for that advice. I could have chat GPT. So what do you see now with, especially with chat GPT, where people feel, Hey, I could just, you know, go on Bard or go on, you know, uh, chat GPT or Claude or whatever, and just find out this stuff myself. Is that impacting business? I'm sure it will. Thing with that stuff is like you don't see that. You don't. You don't feel that right now, though. Sounds like not for the writing. Now, again, the younger folks of the world, I maybe right early career folks, mm-hmm. maybe they, they might be taking advantage of that a lot more, just having grown up a little bit more with that stuff. But um, I'm not too worried. I'm I, again. I deliver expertise. Is what I. I'm not trying to just be a service provider. Hey, I'm not in this, like, hey, I'll do it. I'll be the necess- necessary evil for you, like an accountant or lawyer. I just need this resume. Go away, Matt. I don't ever want to talk to you until I need it again, right? I'm fine with that too. We can have that relationship. But my goal is for us to, in the in the macro level thinking, my goal is to, that you create your own opportunities and you create your own journey of, of, of where you want to go with your career and not rely on... Gee, in June that month, or gee, June of that year, all that was hiring was Pepsi. So I went to Pepsi, and now I'm here 15 years later. It's like, well, shit, if you hated Pepsi your whole life, why'd you go work there, right? Well, because that was the available job that that month. So if we're living life by availability and opportunities just kind of like fumbling their way around, it's like, that's not very smart if you want to have some sort of happiness or some sort of fulfillment. Now, again, not everyone. Some people like my brother love just going to work, they don't talk to anybody, they go home, they get their check, right? But the people that really want to get ahead or do something, well, shit, let's grab control of this. And let's not make it a frazzled process of in April, I get the resume. So in May, I'm getting a job. It's like, chill out, breathe, and let's do this right. It might take six months. But in the long run, you'll be happier in six years because you freaking were patient enough, right? And so that's my goal is delivering expertise of like, let's do it together. and Let's build yourself a career that you're happy with, not one that you're just like dealing with, right? Um, Because everyone knows when dad comes home angry because he hates his work. Well, shit, dad, do you want to do that the rest of your life or do you want to change it up, man? And it's not that much money, 3500 bucks. Oh, my God. What? I pay more in, in landscaping every year. Not at me, but most people probably pay more in landscaping every year. So it's like, that's the thing is like, it's, spend money to make money. Spend money to get ahead. <laughs> it, all kind of, it, all, you know, it all works with everybody, right? Um, so that's, I appreciate you asking me about the coaching program. Cause that's kind of what I really prided myself on, you know, last handful of years. It took me, Wait, to, okay, can, I, can I make it, can yeah. I make a suggestion? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Just from the little bit we're talking now, right. Yeah. Let me frame this. My takeaway from this conversation is that you're very gregarious. You're an extrovert. Yeah. You love interacting with people. You love talking with people. You love the banter. To me, it seems like maybe the resumes put aside. I think you have to find a way to use your interpersonal skills and your motivation and your upbeat personality to find ways to bring people in and maybe even have like group coaching, you know, maybe have some sort of meetups where you could, because 
you, it feels like you vibe when you have a lot of people around you and it makes, and you're, you're the person who kind of gets the party started. Yeah, right. So I think <laughs> I don't mean to give you coaching advice because I'm not a career coach, but it seems from the outside perspective, it is always easy from the outside perspective because it's not you, you know, you, you know, when it's for you, it's always harder to be, you know, kind of critical of what's going on. So have you considered maybe saying, hey, let me get this kind of group coaching, especially now that you could do it on Zoom, you know, have these kind of group coaching where you can get a whole group of people together and you can just make it like a, a party where you're helping them, you're they're they're learning, they're they're understanding how to find a new job, how to succeed, how to move forward, how to negotiate a salary you know, how to do an elevator pitch, all that kind of good stuff, but in a really fun way, because a lot of this stuff isn't so fun doing it, you know, it's work. I know. But have you ever thought of that? Because that's, that would be working from your strengths. You know, that would be working because, you know, you're very verbal, you're very excited, you know, you're very passionate. And that that comes off. I appreciate that. I know I used to say my joke was, uh, uh, there's always a party in my head, uh, um, you know, everyone's invited kind of thing. I forgot how it went, something like that. But my wife and I used to joke about that. But yeah, I mean, I actually, it's funny. That has been one of my um, kind of recurring iCal to-dos. And I've slowly been chipping away at it. See, but the thing is this too, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I think what happens, again, I'm just noticing that from yeah. like this, you, you know, the conversation today. And that's, you know, it's not fair to judge just or, or make decisions based on that. But it sounds like you're, 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 like your brain is going way fast and you're, 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 you're thinking of 10 different things at once. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe your wife is like the kind of person to say, wait, Matt, let's just, instead of like talking and think about acting and writing and, and comic books and this, let's just hone it down. Let's find one or two things you're really good at. And let's focus on that one or two things and let's excel at that one or two things. And that's where we could hit it out of the ballpark. You know, that's where we can make a lot of money and make a big difference and help a lot of people's lives. It's, it's true. The riches are in the niches, they say. And yeah, that's been a struggle trying to figure out how to niche down into certain audiences. But yeah. All right, I mean, so let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do this live, right? So what niche do you feel that would resonate that people would be interested in to help? Like what kind of people, it sounds like, you you know, you had a whole bunch of different recruiting contracts, staffing kind of roles in different industries. Were there any specific industries that you're passionate about and they, or you just really like the people who work there? Yeah. See, that's kind of the catch 22. The industries I like aren't yeah. going to pay me. It's like production supervisors usually aren't going to pay me to do like, okay. like a necessary. So who, so who are the ones who would come in who pay? Who are the ones who like would say, Hey, I'll pony up what a hundred, 200, 300 an hour. Like what's the, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's like so. Like usually, directors like you get senior contributors uh, would probably be the bottom, right? Senior contributors like you know people been doing like you know engineers for twenty years. They just don't want to go and manage people or something, um, or all the way up to. And I've helped C suite, but I don't know if I want to per se market to them. Um, I'd rather kind of stick right at that director. So that's kind of a senior contributor director. I'm fine with any industry, although just again growing up in automotive, it's always had a special place in my heart, and I just love inside automotive facilities I've okay been so let's do this so, so you like the automotive space right now where you are 
and it doesn't now it doesn't have to be like where you are because everything is remote so it doesn't have to be like oh i have to just depend on people and you're you said you're now what you're in north carolina or you're in delaware I, I lost track there a little bit oh no you're fine i'm in north carolina north okay so you have north carolina there but there are a lot of car places there right because like didn't japan put a lot of their you know the biggest order making in, in north carolina or no so there, I want to say there's well there's a Toyota because my wife worked at it the one time yeah. for their makeup and she got to do her their corporate training videos there but and she said it was really neat but um yeah the, but the, it's like Charlotte Greensboro Raleigh mm -hmm. bigger cities which are all you know over two hours we're we're the we're like we're by Myrtle <laughs> we're like a coastal what kind of what kind of auto you know automotive places have so, challenges that maybe people either A, are losing their job and then need help, or B, maybe there's a lot of growth and they want to see how can I maybe get a better job or how can I advance within the organization? Right. Are, there, are there different automotive uh, companies that you could think of yeah, that not, would be you know, fertile hunting grounds to get them as clients? Not the top of my head for nearby. Um... And again, that's the other thing is like, when I've done that before, where I've niche marketed, it doesn't do anything for me. It's like, because I've altered before, I've entertainment business was one of them. I've attacked the entertainment business people. Um, I did get a couple clients out of that, but it's like the amount of resources you put into those email campaigns, we'll just call it, or whatever I'm doing, or, and, and money. It's kind of like it pays for itself, but you're like, well, I, was, I heard this was supposed to help you grow, right? So it's like, you don't want to just like get by on marketing tactics, right? You're like, if this is what I paid, I don't want to just level out. Well, let's, 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 let's tell back for a second. Matt, tell me, and, and I don't mean to be too pushy or forward, but I figured this is kind of a very different type of, you know, LinkedIn live, you know, slash podcast where we're, yeah. we're like in real time talking about just business and how it works and what's going on and what people think and how they run their businesses and what works or what doesn't work. So I figure hey, this is, you know, pretty, you know, pretty interesting for people to get a sense of like, Hey, this is, this is, this was goes on behind the scenes this is what entrepreneurs go through and what they deal with and what their issues are and their challenges are. So like, so let's say you would pick out, you know, Tesla, and now you have these uh, self-driving cars that have become really popular, like uh, uh, Cruise and Waymo or something like that. And uh, there's probably a lot of opportunities in some of these places because some are going well and then some they're laying off people. So, and you do like the automotive shop and you do have that big personality. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's something that could really focus on because you'd be happy because you like these kind of folks because you like the, those businesses. And there's a lot going on in these spaces. I know. And it's like, I mean, it is always in the back of my mind, kind of niching down. My problem is, I mean, I just, I like helping everyone, really. It's not so much like, I mean, even like some of my favorite clients are like accountants, which mm -hmm. tell you, it's not the most glamorous job, but, um, but I mean, like going back to the thing, like I used to host a live thing for clients every week. And the problem is only one lady would show up and it's the same lady. And so I was like, well, how much time do I want to go into promoting? <laughs> so wait, wait, so, so you would try stuff like that. And then instead, like, and so it's you like, to get one person show up and it's like, this sucks. This is, yeah. this is terrible. So I quit that. I did yeah. that probably, I don't know, maybe three months of shows. And then I was like, well, this is a waste of time. So, so much. When you say shows, well, it's like, this like, is different. This is not career stuff. This is shows you try to. Career stuff. Like, okay. yeah, it was like open Q&A where they can ask me anything. So you're and making it a show, even though it was career. 
Yeah, it was Which kind is of a kind of an interesting concept. I like that. Yeah, like a weekly um, weekly show. Come on in. Right. They've asked me if you got an issue with your career. I'll answer anything I can on the spot. But then there was just me and the one gal. Um, she was really cool, but it was just like I felt bad. She'd show up. I'm like, well, it's me and you again. I go, you got any questions this week? She's like, no. I'm like, All right, I'll see you next week. I mean, it got really depressing, but and I just set it in my wheels. But what's cool is I used it to get my podcast reignited. So I kind of use those and just put them on Spotify, the audio. And then again, quit all that. And and so right now, like I mentioned though, like I have it with my right. coach do with this. It's like the only problem is I'm kind of like, well, again, I don't want to be a live show of strangers. So it's gotta be right. just, it's right. So I have to kind of figure out the logistics of it, but it is going to be something that will be here. I want, I'm calling it the job sticker tribe um, because job stickers is like my website is my gimmick website to kind of get you to MJW careers. Cause MJW is a handful. And so uh, job stickers. And so I call job sticker nation. It's got an our monthly membership, 15 bucks. Um, it exists right now. You get exclusive content, but again, I don't promote it a lot. And it's kind of like, my problem is I don't know like how to promote what and when, and where I'm very good at marketing, but I'm more of like, this is my post for the day. And it's a value share for my audience. It's not a, I'm running this special, you know, and I have done some of those here and there, but so it's like, for me, it's like, well, how much do I really want to push this job sticker nation membership? Right. Right? Um, so <laughs> it's just, it's a battle. Like you said, it's like when you're running the business, you only have you know, 24 hours a day, you know, and you only have so many, you know, time to get some eyeballs on things. So you really like my, my efforts right now are mainly, selling my program right so that's kind of why all the other stuff goes to the wayside <laughs> and so so what what's your part maybe you could share a little bit about your program how's it work yeah so that's that that's that six weeks so like i said mm-hmm. six weeks we meet each week there's check-ins you have homework i have homework um it's a like i mentioned it's a very much do don't think now there will be some thinking obviously but mainly like do a lot of the stuff right so go to this website set up this profile, put up these alerts, put in this type of stuff, and then move on, right? So the website does the work for them. And that's what I'm a big believer of. Let me get some things working in the background, like recruiters do, right? Like we did. We'd work for candidates. They get a call on a Tuesday, and they're pumped because now they got the interview at DuPont. You know, so kind of things that work for them. What I say is you're trying to plant all seeds, turn over all stones we can, because there's a lot of sandboxes that we can go hang out in when we're job hunting or just life. And so how many shiny objects in those sandbox are we going to run after? And, and you hear this all the time. Don't run it like threads. Like, do I need to be on threads? I don't, I don't care about threads. I'm done trying to keep up with that this stuff, right? I just got on TikTok this past year and that was enough. Although I'm kind of having fun with it. I, I'm a little wacky on there. It's the only place I'm really wacky with my marketing, but I, it's just fun. But, but that's the thing is like, I, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to keep trying to really just promote my quality product in the sandboxes I know will have the eyeballs I need, right? So I don't know if TikTok, maybe, well, you know, but I know LinkedIn will. I know there's some people on LinkedIn that will, you know, want to see me. So why not spend more time on there versus, I don't know, X, Twitter. I got to be on Twitter now. Like, I, I don't care. I don't have time. I got to hang with my son. I don't have time to be on Twitter. <laughs> so what kind of people are you seeing that come to you? Are they people in between jobs? Are they people who are trying to advance within their career and move up within the company? Are you seeing any trends? 
That's a great question. It, it, it's a combine a combination, but I will say um, let's let's call it pre-tech layoffs. Um, pre-tech layoffs, it was an enormous amount of career shifters. And mm -hmm. it was purely, I think, based off of that that excitement of the great resignation. I'm like, which one was this one? Um, and so when that happened, I got an influx of like teachers going to corporate, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, accountants going to VIT. They want to get in the help desk, you know, or whatever. I keep using accounts, but, you know, really extreme transitions. And I was like, wow, this is something. So, and I like that because for me to, when I work with, when I work with someone who's lateral move, it's easier. There's not much pulling, right? But then when I get someone who's um, very much like, how are we going to do this? Because I don't want to do accounting anymore. I want to go be an AI. Cool. So let's start to build the Legos. Let's start to build the Lego path of your journey and how we're going to get there, right? What's upskilling do we got to do? Does it cost money? Some of it, can we get it for free? Are there certifications you might need? Now we're talking a little more investment, right? So, and how are we going to pepper your marketing collateral with all this stuff? So um, there's a lot to it. And it's like, I like that I can just tell my clients, don't think, just hang out with me and we'll get this through this together. Because, you know, me and you, we see it from macro level and we see the steps, right? Um, but we just got to make sure that they're not overwhelmed. So keep it very snail's pace at front. And that's what I do with all my clients. I don't come in like this with my clients. Um, this is just fun. Um, with them, it's, you know, I got to figure out the hell solve what puzzle I'm solving. Um, so that's essentially what my program does, though, is lean on me and let's get going um, and do things the right way instead of just, again, hanging out in different sandboxes or what I say is going and fishing in lakes that you're trying to catch bass in, but you're using northern pike lures and it's not even the time of the day to fish, right? So it's like, what are you even doing out right now? So we want to get people on the right lakes using the right lures catching the fish they're trying to catch and, and and it takes a little time to get there there's a lot of um a lot of obstacles in the way and by obstacles i mean you know fodder from this content provider and and videos over here and blogs over there and movies and you heard this person on tiktok say you don't need references and <laughs> you know i keep it very logical look you need a reference sheet because someone's going to ask for it eventually, right? Just have it handy. Do I need a cover letter? I don't know. There's crazy hiring managers that want to see them. Do you want them to vet you or not? If they, you know, if you don't care about them, then don't have a cover letter, you know, like, but what the hell does it take two minutes? You know, so that's where I get annoyed. It's like, just play the game and you'll be okay. This is just a job hunt. We're just meant to get over this so you can get going on your journey again. That sounds great. So Matt, for people who, uh, want to uh, get in touch with you what, what's the best way for them to find you if they've survived today's show um they can <laughs> job.com come on through we've got the we've got the the up we love rock and roll in our world um yeah jobstickers.com um that will provide you with all my links it's kind of my link tree so from there you can check me out and all my all my doings online <laughs> Right. Any last words you want to share? Any any words of wisdom? Any anything that maybe I didn't ask you that you'd like to share before we head out? Uh, I promise, Jack. I'm not brown uh, nosing you with this answer, <laughs> but how I exit all my shows is be kind to the recruiters. Yeah. Uh, I was a recruiter again, and the problem with hiring is it's expensive, arduous, time consuming because they have to go from you know identifying and sourcing all the way through the ringers of 
qualifying through background and induction and, and testing, and then they got to get on site and train, and then they leave. And so why do we get pissed off as hiring managers? Because we, we keep hiring putzes and we don't want to hire more putzes. So don't be a putz. And <laughs> no, wait, wait, but putz is a Yiddish word. So like, maybe <laughs> how do you politely describe what it means for people who may not be aware of that uh, um, lingo? And it's, <laughs> and it's clean. I don't want to get kicked off of LinkedIn. So, uh, um, you know, just uh, <laughs> finding others. They're just people that'll come in like, you owe me this or you owe me. They're not empathetic, right? And so be empathetic to the recruiters and, and please don't treat them like they already know you and owe you everything because they don't, right? So just collect yourself and be as logical and uh, what do I say to my prospect calls? I would say, um, walk softly, carry a big stick, right? That kind of idea. Do that because the interview rooms will appreciate that. They just want to know if you're the right fit. So less is more, but make that less super impactful and relatable. And you'll be in good shape. Well, that's great. So I, I appreciate you giving some like inside information about like what goes on behind the scenes, what made you get into this industry you know, what, what you've done. So I think it's illuminating to just get a picture into a glimpse into someone's like, you know, entrepreneurial endeavor and what they're going through, what they're doing, how it works, how it doesn't work. Um, and it cuts across all sectors. So I really appreciate your honesty, your openness and sharing, you know, everything about your journey. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, once again, so they can reach you at job stickers. Can we go? Like like the pot stickers that everyone loves, uh, job stickers, though. Perfect. <laughs> dot com, I guess, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Excellent, Matt. We have to do the dot coms nowadays again because everything <laughs> is out there. <laughs> Dude, you just go, before we get, you're coming across like a grandfather. You're not that old. Like, ah, this TikTok stuff, ah, this Twitter stuff. <laughs> you're too young to be saying that, man. The curmudgeon. <laughs> the curmudgeon. There was, what did I have yesterday? Because my thing is, I do sometimes when I type, period, <laughs> instead of the space bar, and then it'll say like, I think I was tight. Let's just call it like Nike shoes. I put like Nike dot shoes. And all of a sudden it says, this link is not valid. I go, well, why would it be? It's a dot shoes. Well, because apparently there's dot shoes out there now, you know, or whatever it was. So that's where I was like, another step. <laughs> a nanosecond <laughs> apple. <laughs> all right. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Hey, thank you, all Jack. Right. It was great chatting with you, my friend. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. Take care. <laughs>